Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The Amalekites are a type or a picture of the flesh. So here's the lesson that we learned from Saul's failure. If you don't defeat your flesh, your flesh will rise up and defeat you. For you guys that are not familiar with the rest of Saul's life, Saul doesn't do what God tells him to do. The discipline of God is that God tells Saul, you're no longer going to be the king because of this. It takes a while before David is officially put in position as a king. But at the end of Saul's life, guess who killed Saul ultimately? An Amalekite. In your walk with Christ, have you ever went with what you think is best instead of God's plan? Have you ever known in your heart what God is calling you to do, and yet you think you have it all figured out? Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that when you indulge in your own wisdom without God involved, it'll always lead to destruction. Even if your plan seemingly works out, God's divine purpose for your life will bless you like never before. Let God lead you to do marvelous things for His kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther, chapter 3, as he begins his message, Stand Your Ground. What's happened thus far, you guys remember King Ahasuerus is the king that's reigning at this time. Uh, He's having a feast where he wants to show off his wealth and his power and his greatness as a king, though he was not a very great king, uh, never really accomplished anything other than that which he uh, which he inherited, uh, was given to him, but, uh, he was showing off and it was a 180 day feast and then an extra seven days for the common folk. And on the last day of the seven day feast, his queen, his wife, whose name was Vashti, she was having an event with the women. He was, you know, showboating with the kings and the men. And when he got drunk, he called for his wife to come in in what we believe was some sort of inappropriate way um, to flaunt her beauty, to show off her beauty to everyone, and she refused. And so the king's men told him that, you know, if if, if your wife can tell you no, all our wives is finna go crazy telling us, no, you got to do something about this. Um, And so he got some real bad counsel that he should get rid of Vashti, kick her out, replace her with a better queen, and that's what the king did. He heeded their counsel. He kicked her out. About, you know, a few years later after he failed to, uh, he tried to go to Greece and, and accomplish something. He failed. He came home. He's kicking cans and he realizes he don't have no woman no more. Kicked her out and he's sad. And he's, and the, and the guy said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put on a beauty pageant. We'll collect all the versions from the area, put on a pageant and you pick the one that you like. I told you guys last week, I wanted to unromanticize the book of Esther because many times we make the book look like it was a great, like honor um, for these women to be chosen, but it really wasn't. It was the end of their life. Um, Every woman that was taken into that harem, uh, we're told that it was around 400 women. None of those women would ever be able to be wives, mothers. They would just be in the king's harem and he's only going to make one of them his wife. So one will be wife. The rest of you will be concubines. Even if he dies, they, they belong to the king. They remain in his concubine. So I want you to know that it wasn't this like, yay, I won for everybody. Maybe there were some women there that were like, I'm, I'm going to be the queen. You know, they were, they were happy for their opportunity to compete for the beauty pageant or whatever. But it was, it was not as sexy as I think some of the movies have made it seem as though it were. And so 
Esther was exceptionally beautiful in form. That means her body and an appearance. No fault of her own. She was selected. She was chosen. There was also an event where Mordecai heard that there were some guys that were trying to uh, kill the king. And he reported it and literally saved the king's life. He wasn't rewarded. He would would be rewarded later for this. Today in chapter 3, we're going to be introduced to the villain of the book of Esther. So anybody know who the villain of Esther is? What's his name? Haman. All right. There's a feast called the Feast of Purim that comes from the book of Esther. Um, The Jews still celebrate this today. And uh, what I've heard that happens is at the Feast of Purim, uh, when the Jews celebrate it, they actually come together and they read the book of Esther as part of the feast. And every time uh, Haman's name is read, what does everybody yell? They, they say boo, they hiss and boo whenever his name is brought up. And then whenever um, Mordecai's name is read, they cheer and they celebrate. So um, that actually is a thing. So if you have Jewish friends that are that practice, um, that actually is something that it comes straight out of the book of Esther. So um, Mordecai, I'm sorry, Haman is the villain of this book. We'll be introduced to him today. And so some people have said that Hitler, that Haman is the Hitler of the Old Testament. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll look into him a little bit. Look at chapter three, verse one. It says, after these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set him above all the princes who were with him. So what we're told in verse one is that Haman, who we're going to find out to be the really bad guy of the book, the king it doesn't tell us why the king promoted him. It just says that the king promotes Haman. Um, basically, Haman's going to be the second to the king. It's a really big deal. He gets a really important position. Um, he's going to get the showboat in front of all of his countrymen, um, that he's a really big deal. And something that comes along with his new position is that everywhere he goes, uh, when he steps out into the street, people are supposed to honor him and bow down. Uh, and I can't help but I'm a West Coaster, so every time I, I read this, I'm thinking about the, the you know, the, the, bow, the, what is the bow down when I come to your town to the ice cube. And that, that's what I keep hearing that. I've been reading this all day, and I keep hearing that playing in the background, like like Haman would come down the street in his little chariot playing bow down when I come to your town. But everywhere he went, all the people of the province would bow down and acknowledge um, that he's a really big deal because the king gave him this new position. What do you think that might do to a man's head? Oh, man. I mean, would you think you might be a little bit prideful if everywhere you went, you stepped in the door and everybody just fell down and said, oh, 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 that would be that's bad for anybody. It's especially bad for this man, Haman. So a little bit about him. Right. We're told here that uh, Haman is um, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Um, Let me explain where he comes from, because he shouldn't be here. Right. Uh, the Agagite, this is the descendants of Agag. Anybody know who God told to wipe out the Amalekites? Saul, right? So this is only a few hundred years earlier. Saul had been tasked by God. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 15. You can look at it later. God told Saul to utterly destroy, wipe out all the Amalekites because these are the enemies of God. They're against God. They're against his people. He said, wipe them all out. Don't spare anybody. Wipe them all out. Now, Saul wiped out most of them, 
But if you go back and read the story, it says that he kept back Agag. He kept back, you know, he didn't do, he didn't completely do what God told him to do. And when he was confronted about it, he lied and he blamed it on the people, so forth and so on. Now, the Amalekites are a type in scripture. In typology, the Amalekites, you might know what they're a type of. Oh, for $20 in Jesus juice. The Amalekites are a type or a picture of the flesh. So here's the lesson that we learned from Saul's failure. If you don't defeat your flesh, your flesh will rise up and defeat you. For you guys that are not familiar with the rest of Saul's life, Saul doesn't do what God tells him to do. The discipline of God is that God tells Saul, you're no longer going to be the king because of this. It takes a while before David is officially put in position as a king. But at the end of Saul's life, guess who killed Saul ultimately? An Amalekite. As Saul had been run through with a sword, he was he was going to die. He didn't want to be taken captive. And he saw a, a guy coming. He said, come, 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 run me through with the sword before they abuse me. And when they came and ran him through with the sword, the guy that ultimately did it was an Amalekite. So we learn from Saul this. If you don't, again, with, along with the, the typology that we've looked at, if you don't destroy the flesh completely, uh, it will come back to get you. Uh, it'll come back. If you don't kill the flesh, the flesh will rise up and kill you. So back to Haman here. Haman is an enemy. Of, we're going to find he's an enemy, not just of God's people. He's an enemy of the Jews in a, in a really uh, intense way, but he shouldn't even be here. Had Saul done his job of wiping out the Amalekites, he wouldn't be here. He's here because there's been a previous failure to wipe out the, the enemy, the adversary of God. So Haman is here now. Uh, again, the, the, the Agagite, uh, he's been advanced above all the other princes who were there with him. Verse two says, and all the king's servants who were within the king's gates bowed down and paid homage to Haman for so the king had commanded concerning him, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. So here's what we get here, right? We got Haman got this new position. It's a really big deal to him. Sure. It feeds into his pride. Everywhere I go, people need to bow down and recognize me. And as he goes out into town every day, everybody bows down to him except one guy. I mean, everybody else is doing it. Everybody honors him. Everybody bows down, but one guy will not bow down to him. That's Mordecai the Jew. Now, let me ask this question, because one of the things I told you guys in the intro to this book is that we would discuss when is the right time? When do we rebel against authority? As believers, in general, we submit to the governing authorities. Amen? As, as believers in general, we're not a rebellious people. We're not out here bucking the system in general. But there are times when we would resist. There are times when we would not succumb. We would not submit. Uh, can I throw the question out to you guys? When, when would we not submit to the governing authorities when they contradict God's word. If the government tells us to do something that would be a sin against God, we would not do it. Right. If the government said, Hey, y'all going to worship the next president, y'all going to bow down and worship him. Uh, we would all say, absolutely not. Amen. If the government said you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus, we would say, absolutely not. Right. So if the government is infringing or telling us that we cannot do, something God commands us to do or that we must do something God tells us not to do. That is when we would 
We would not bow down, essentially. So some people think Mordecai was maybe wrong here. I don't. I think Mordecai is, uh, this is one of my man up Mordecai moments. Mordecai is like, look, I want you to, I want you to picture this, right? Picture being out in the, the public square and there's men and, and important people all around in this area. And this guy that's second to the king comes out and everywhere he goes, everybody bows down. But Haman just, I, I envision Haman, I just envision him standing there with his arms crossed, you know, a uh, little thug of muffin, you know, look on his face like, you know, I'm not bowing, son. You know, like, I, but, but he's just not bowing. He's the one guy that's like, I'm not going to do it. I don't bow. And I think that for him, that's, I think it's a matter of character. We'll see later when he's, he's going to be pressed and questioned about it. Um, the reason he's going to offer up is because of who he is. He's going to let them know, look, I, I don't do it because I'm a Jew. And as a Jew, I, I believe different, I worship different, and my practices are different, and we don't bow down. I think we've seen this elsewhere in Scripture where people were were told by kings to bow. Who can think of another scenario where, go ahead, Daniel, right? In, in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar made his golden image and said, everybody at the sound of the flute and the harp and the psaltery and all the music, bow down to my image. And everybody bowed except for three, three Hebrew boys. They didn't bow. They refused. And it was right for them to do so. So uh, moving on here. So in, in verse two, everybody else bows down for Haman. Uh, and it says, for so the king had commanded. Let me say this. I don't think that they're bowing because they love Haman. I don't think they're bowing because they want to honor Haman. They're bowing because the king said you had to do it. Y'all understand the difference? This isn't something that the people are doing because they're like, yes, we really honor him. We really care about him. They understand the king said, do it. You got to do what the king says do. So we're just, we're just doing what everybody, we're doing what we're supposed to do here. It's not like they're really worshiping him. Uh, they're doing it out of fear of man more than likely. So um, with that, keep in mind that as we move on. So then in verse three, at the end of verse two, it says, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Verse three says, then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Uh, now it happened when they spoke to him daily that he would not listen to them. They told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. So let me stop right there. Uh, all these guys are bound whenever they see him come down. They're bothered. They're bothered that, that Mordecai is not bound. These are the king's men. And Mordecai's guys, they're bothered by this. And so I want you to note there, it said they press him daily. They're coming to Mordecai. They say, man, why don't you bow? Why aren't you bowing? They're bothered daily. Now, I want you to think about this. Why do you think it bothered them so much? Because they had to do it, right? They're bothered because they, we have to do it. So you should be doing it too. It bothers them. Understand this, that sometimes even our liberty as believers, it's going to bother people, right? There, if anybody here knows somebody that, you know, maybe they're on some kind of restricted diet and they can't have it, it, it you know, they, it's going to probably bother them. I don't know if you got, I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody. Some people are, you know, vegan. Some people are other things or whatnot. I'll just say this. Some people carry it better than others. Um, I know some people that that's their personal thing and it's, it's kind of their deal. I, I don't eat that. I eat whatever, no problem. But you got some people that are like, you know, you're going to eat that. Um, you know, they, I mean, you, you're going to eat, you're going to eat that. And they'll, they'll start telling you why, you know, you know, they'll start telling you, I'm like, well, but, 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 
I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what happened to the cow. I don't care what they did to the pig. I'm going to eat my bacon and my, you know, like, I, I don't care how they killed the chicken. I don't care if they rang the neck and plucked the feather. I don't care, you know. Um, but, but you have some people that are really concerned about that, maybe bothered that, that you're enjoying that freedom. Uh, I think it may be similar to how the Jews and Galatians, the, the Judaizers, they were bothered that, that the Gentile believers didn't have to get circumcised. It bothered them. And so they were trying to put this bondage on them. And so these guys are bothered that uh, Mordecai is not bowing. They're so bothered that they bug, they come to him every day and they press him about it. When he doesn't yield to them, they go tattletale. These are grown men. These are, these are prominent, important men. They're like, we're going to tell. We're going to tell. And then with the Haman, and they tattled. They told him what happened. They said, look, he, there's a guy out there, and when you come, we all bow, and he doesn't. Did you know that? Did you see it yet? You didn't catch it? So Mordecai, you know, he's he's been standing every time. Haman hasn't caught this yet. He hasn't seen it. They go tattle. They go make him aware that, hey, there's a guy out there that's not bowing like we are. And so moving on from here, it says again in verse 4, now when it happened, when they spoke to him daily that he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see rather Mordecai's words were stand because, again, the reason he gave them for why he would not bow is that he was a Jew. And I would just say this to you guys. I think as believers, as Christians, that we should be so bold because there may be some things that we don't do because we're Christian, right? Um, you may go somewhere, you may go to something with people that work and everybody else, everybody may be turning up and having drinks and maybe you don't drink because you're a Christian. Um, you may find yourself somewhere and people are, you know, I've had people offer me weed. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm trying, I try to be careful not to just say, I don't do that. I want to explain why I don't do it. Cause my why is important. Um, there was a guy down the street from my house and we were talking about the dogs and I had walked my dog and I was talking to him and then he pulled out a blunt and he was getting ready to smoke. And he was like, hey, you want to, you want to hit it? And I mean, he was, it was actually quite kind and generous of him as if in the non-believing world, he, he bought that weed. I didn't pitch in. I didn't put five on that. You know, it was quite generous of him. So I didn't, I didn't say, you know, I didn't disrespect him. I just said, no, bro, I don't, I don't, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't get high. I don't smoke or whatever. Um, that's my why. Um, I just want y'all to understand this, that there are going to be times where you do what you do because you're a Christian or you don't do what you don't do because you're a Christian and you should be okay with putting that out there. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. Amen. We shouldn't be ashamed of saying, look, I'm under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So there's some things I'm not judging you. I'm not putting you down. There's some things that under his lordship, there's some things I don't do. Uh, there's some things I don't participate in. There's some things that I do do, you know, because I'm a Christian. I want to go feed the spirit. I want to be in the word of God. I want to worship the Lord. I want to be with the saints. That's important to me. I'll catch that later. Um, we we got to share that with people. We got to let them know. And so Mordecai said, look, this is why I'm not bowing because I'm a Jew. Now, let me say this in fairness, because remember, the Jews that are here in Persia, these were the Jews that didn't go back when they had a chance to go back. Um, when they had a chance to go back and be with the group from Ezra and Nehemiah, when the walls are going up and, and they didn't go back. These aren't Jews that they're not, they're not worshiping the right way. They're not practicing the right way. Um, God still loves them, right? We're going to see in this book that God is still going to deliver them. And so it, it's kind of conflicting to me. I'm like, man, Mordecai seems like this really stand out, stand up guy. I'm like, well, why wasn't he back where everybody else was? Don't know. 
We don't really get that story, but maybe because he needed to be here. Uh, maybe God needed him where he is right now because this he, he God's got something to do with him now. Maybe he's coming back around. Uh, I don't know. Um, but he does not bow. He lets him know I'm not bowing to that guy because I am a Jew. I also wonder if Mordecai understood. He, he knew that Haman was an Agagite. And he would have known that, you know, this this is a cursed people. These are enemies of God. It, that might have also played into the fact that I'm, I'm not bowing to him. I'm not going to give honor to him. Because there was nothing in Jewish law that said you couldn't honor the king. That you wouldn't honor an authority. Uh, there was nothing that said you couldn't honor them. We wouldn't worship them. We wouldn't bow down and worship. But you could honor them. He's like, I'm not even doing that. I'm not bowing down. I'm not giving honor to that guy. I'm not giving, I'm not giving up nothing. Uh, I remember when I was in kid, when I, when I was in elementary and junior high school, I went to a Catholic school. And no matter what time of whatever part of class you were in, if the principal walked into the room, everybody in unison had to stand up next to your desk and say, good afternoon, Mrs. <laughs> whatever her name was, you know, or, or good morning, such and such. And, and they, we trained, they drilled that into us. And so if a principal, an authority came, everybody had to stand up and, and say, good morning, Mrs. or Mr. such and such. Now, you guys ever think there was a kid in class that was like, I'm not standing up. Um, I, I, I saw that happen several times, whatever kids that were like, we're just going to, we're going to sit down and not stand up and see what happens. Um, I'm not saying if I was part of that group or not, but I remember seeing that happen a couple times and some kids lost recess over that. It was real sad for them. So, um, but this is Mordecai saying, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm a Jew, not going to bow down, not going to give honor to this guy. Now, verse five and six says when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage. Haman was filled with wrath. He is furious about this. But it disdained, he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So, Haman is, is irate. He is filled with rage and wrath over this, just like Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember when, when the three Hebrew boys wouldn't bow to his statue and they were 10 times better than everybody else. So he didn't kill them off the top. He brought them in and said, Hey guys, I heard y'all weren't bowing. I'm going to give you one more chance so you can bow and everything can be good. Okay. Here, here goes. And they said, look, we're not going to bow. And Rather, God saves us or lets us burn. We're not going to bow. We were not. They, I mean, they just gave it to him. And so it says that he was, I was furious. He turned up the fire seven times hotter than normal when they went. And, and the fire was so hot that the men taking them into the fire, they burned up going to the fire. Um, but the three Hebrew boys did not burn up because God was there in the fire with them. But here, so he was furious. Uh, Haman is also furious over this. Um, I want you to note this because who is it that really hates the Jews? Satan. Satan hates the Jews. Why does Satan hate the Jewish people so much? At this point right here, what Satan knew is that the Messiah is coming through this vein. So every attempt against the Jews, it was, it's always been satanic. It's always been satanically inspired. And there have been multiple times in history where someone has sought to annihilate the Jewish people. All And, and here's the amazing thing, right? They, 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 they're still going. Everything God said about them is true. The fact, note this, right? This is one of the, the prophecies in scripture that, that really turned me on to, to the truth of the Bible, right? 
There's never been a nation of people historically that were wiped out and removed from their homeland ever. There's never been a group that were wiped out and removed that came back and flourished ever in history except for one group, the Jews. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Esther. Esther is known for being Queen of Susa, but her story doesn't start that way. She finds herself in all kinds of uncomfortable scenarios on her way to the throne, where she would eventually become the picture of a faithful servant of God. If getting out of your comfort zone is the way to success, then Esther wrote the book. How are you getting out of your comfort zone to improve your relationship with God and overcome the worldly sins that are all around you? There will always be seasons of life where the pain and agony can't be avoided. How will you respond? Will you turn to God despite the pressures to mask your pain with the things of this world or fall into sin like so many people before? Esther and Mordecai faced the threat of an oppressive and vicious ruler over the people. Still, you and I face a spiritual threat today, and a spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer, praise, and worship, and we know just where you can find those, right here at A Transforming Word in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come in and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream online this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time with a transforming word.